Wednesday on the Just Baseball Show. Welcome to it. That's Arm Layton. I'm Peter Apple. We are grading the off-seasons of the AL West. What's up, buddy? I also have to let all the listeners of the Just Baseball Show know. So as I do make my not gambling advice, I make a lot of futures bets. I want to let the people know, and they'll find out later in this episode, I never put two units on a futures bet ever. I don't think I ever have. And I did for a team in this division already. I saw the line. I jumped in. The offseasons aren't quite over, but we did the East. We did the Central. And now I feel like it's kind of time to wrap it up. Now it's time to get our future bets in. How are you doing, mate? You just finished the Cincinnati Reds episode. Yeah, I was say I know you're jacked up. I'm really excited for this too. I know you're jacked up when you ask me how I'm doing, then don't give me a chance to answer and then start talking about the future bets. Like I'm ready to go, baby. I'm, I'm yeah. excited. But no, you've got a fresh haircut. I just banged out the Cincinnati Reds, which was another system that just actually depleted my my energy to the nth degree, but reinvigorated to be able to talk about AL West grades because this is a really talk about a division that like got after it. You told me before we recorded about this uh, futures bet, and I'm probably gonna have to tail it now. Um, Cause anytime you put two units on a futures bet, which you said you never do, like I'm going to tail it now. If you, if you defy your standards for something, I'm going to fail. I'm going to follow it. Um, but this is a fun division, an active division. So I'm just excited to be able to break it down with you and, and give our grades, which has been a lot of fun as we just continue to wrap a bow on, on what was a really fun off season and start to transition into previewing for the season, which this is kind of the appetizer for it. Cause you're talking about the future bet. Like we're just starting to preview a little bit because naturally recap an off season. We're going to preview what that means for the upcoming season. So uh, it's getting me more excited as we count down the days towards uh, spring training starting. And talking about being active, you're so right because in this division, you know, it's the A's, it's the Rangers, it's the Mariners, it's the Astros and the angels. A couple of those teams you don't really view as being super active in the free agent market, in the trade market. But there have been three teams this offseason who have made 10 moves or more to their 40-man roster. The Mariners, the Oakland A's, and the Boston Red Sox. So there's a lot of moves to go over in this division. Because while the Mariners and the A's made a ton of moves, the Rangers made some enormous signings. Um, Who else? The Angels made some big signings, like I said. Astros. Like There are a lot of moves to go over. Do you have any starting thoughts before we get straight into it? No, I feel like if if you can really summarize this division outside of the, you know, outside of the athletics, right? Like that's which is the only team here. Every single team feels like they've got a shot, right? Even the 68 win Rangers, they've done everything to be anything but a 68 win team like Every single team in this division is playing to make the playoffs next year. And I know you could technically say every team is. We know that's not usually the case. Like Every team that's not the athletics made moves this offseason to try to win in 2023. And that's really fun. So that's going to make this episode really fun. 
And we'll start with grading the Texas Rangers. So the first move and the big move they made is signing ace Jacob deGrom to a five-year, $185 million contract. They brought back Martin Perez for one year for just under $20 million. They signed Nate Eovaldi, another right-handed pitcher, to two years, $34 million. They signed Andrew Heaney, two years, $25 million. They also gave Danny Duffy a one-year deal. They traded Jake Odorizzi. Uh, They traded for Jake Odorizzi from the Braves for Colby Allard. And they don't really have many departures, or at least they have some guys who are still free agents who they still could bring back kind of like a Matt Moore type or a Cole Calhoun. But overall, I thought they did really well this offseason, similar last offseason where they spent $500 million on their middle infield. They addressed what they needed to do, and they didn't really lose anyone of that much importance. Of course, Matt Moore was really important for their bullpen, and he's still a free agent. But, I mean, what would you grade this offseason? I thought they did really well. So before I give the grade, because I'm going like to kind of walk through it, I think you you put up you brought up some important points here in terms of some of the between the margins additions to the rotation or to the extended rotation, right? Which there's a lot of volatility. We've talked about this with the with the Rangers with the Rangers rotation here that Degrom could get hurt, Iavoldi could get hurt, uh, even Heaney has struggled to stay on the field. But if those guys are all healthy, this is arguably the best rotation in baseball. I love the Odorizzi addition and even the Danny Duffy who's been struggling to stay healthy, but just another arm that's capable of starting in there. Because if one of these guys does go down, like you're not losing sleep with Jake Odorizzi being your five, right? Like let's say Ivaldi isn't healthy. You plug in Odorizzi. Sure. That's a, a diminished arm, but that's still a viable five starter. So I like that they've, Built the depth, too, by adding Odorizzi, by signing Duffy with the guys that they have in their farm system that aren't far off, like an Owen White as well. Uh, I think this was a really darn good offseason. I think of all the ones that we're going to give grades, it, it was really solid. DeGrom, was it a lot of money, maybe quote unquote an overpay? Sure. I don't think you can overpay in baseball because it's not our money. So who cares? Um, the only thing that holds this back from being an A plus for me, Peter, is what you guys talked about in the episode of like, forget exactly what we titled it, but you guys talked about how the, the Rangers kind of just forgot to address their, their outfield. That's the only thing that holds me back from giving them an A plus. I think I'd go with an A. I think, I think, I don't know if I'd give them an A because an A in my mind basically means you you tried your best, you made trades and you signed free agents that filled every single hole. And I think not addressing the outfield, they almost can't be in the A range for me. But one thing I kind of wanted to address because I'm making my, you know, top 100 players list and the hardest player to rank is Jacob deGrom. Of course, because we know when he's on the field, he's the best pitcher in Major League Baseball. But the problem has been availability. And I almost feel like that narrative has gone a little bit too far. Because if you look at Jacob deGrom in the past couple of seasons, so from 2017 to 2019, 
he made 30 plus starts in 2015, the same. And in 2016, he made 24. So basically his entire career up until 2021, he was completely healthy. Then in 2021, obviously the injury, but it had a 1.08 ERA. We even joked around about the fact that he maybe could have won this Cy Young in 2021. That's how yeah. good those 92 innings were. And then of course he gets banged up in 2022. And I think everyone is just now, all right, we can't really expect anything from DeGrom, even MLB Network. Work ranked him ninth on their starting pitchers list. Like uh, sometimes we have a narrative and then it goes so mainstream that the extremes start getting lifted up above what actually happened over the past two seasons. He's thrown 150 innings, but this isn't a guy who's thrown 150 innings every two years for his entire career. He's been a 200 inning guy every year except for the last two so i thought while to your point the rangers might have overpaid because he's 34 but even if he gives you 20 to 25 starts that money seems worth it to me yeah but i understand why you're giving them an a because their biggest issue was starting pitching and they added three guys but the problem is Jacob deGrom, I'm not putting as much stock into the injury stuff as a lot of other people are. It's obviously a concern, but not as much. Eovaldi, Heaney, that's where it starts to come in for me. Not as much Eovaldi, but Heaney especially. I gave them a B plus because I thought they threw a ton of money at guys and yeah. they almost went overboard on pitching. Not, not overboard, but you could have spread that money out in order to get some outfielders. So I gave them a B plus. But I guess the question I want to ask you is, do you think, because obviously we're ranking as just baseball, our top 20 pitchers. Do you think the DeGrom narrative of him getting hurt all the time is now a bit overblown? Or do you, are you really, really worried? Can I be like somewhere in between that? Because I, I, I no, 100% you have to have a fiery take either side. That's <laughs> how it works these days. Uh, you know, it's like you everything you say I align with because, look, this is a guy that for me, I felt and look, I'm not a doctor and I, I'm no expert on any of this, but I felt like DeGrom needed to shut it down at certain points and just tr- kept trying to come back. And, and instead of you know, maybe just shutting it down for the season. It was like, oh, he has a back issue. Then he has an elbow. Then he has a shoulder. Then it's a lat. Then it's all these different things. And it was like, I think he just needs to cool it for the rest of the year. So I I don't think that it's been this, oh, like major shoulder issue. Oh, major other issue. And he's missing huge amounts of time. It was like tweak, 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 which is almost, I don't know, better or worse. I don't really know what to think of that. But at the end of the day, he hasn't had you know, thoracic outlet, you know, as it had Matt Harvey esque issues, right? This is a guy that again, when he's on the field, the stuff isn't diminished really at all, which is the most important thing too, is it's not about the diminished stuff. It's really like you find out after the start, like, Oh, he just didn't feel right. So I think that the narrative has been pushed because of the nagging aspect of the injuries, but they haven't been dramatic or, or really major catastrophic issues. So I'm with you. I think it's been a little bit overblown. And I think the Rangers are with you because they wouldn't have given this guy the contract that they gave him if they weren't at least somewhat less concerned than the general public. So I think anytime you get a Hall of Fame pitcher, that's really going to put them over the over the top in this offseason. I thought the Heaney signing was awesome because I think his upside is is high end three. And we've seen flashes of that. 
Eovaldi, when he's right, is high in three or better than that. Um, and I loved bringing back Perez. That hedges some of the volatility of this rotation. But I, I agree. Like the, the offense is kind of let's run it back. But at the same point, they did shell out $500 million for that offense last year. I lean a a minus. I'll stick with the A because I said it at first, but I do I do think that you you bring up a lot of really good points. Uh, I think that they have time to address the outfield. They tried to go get Brian Reynolds, and I I'm okay with them not forcing the issue there because I think the offense is going to be good enough, even with with a weaker outfield. It's going to be one of the best middle infields in baseball. Adolis Garcia is no slouch. Nathaniel Lowe was was awesome in the second half last year. Um, so this is still going to be a really, and, and catching wise, Mitch Garver is, is a guy that you can plug in and, and he hits a lot of bombs and we saw some really good things from Jonah Heim offensively, which we never thought we'd see. Uh, I think this is a team that could still really hit. And even without forcing the issue in the outfield, they could still be an above average offensive team. So I don't know if I want to dock them too much for not pressing to make a move in the outfield because they might go make that as the season comes along, I'm going to still stick with the A, but I, you, you almost pushed me to an A minus. I, I do hear you on on all the things you said, and I hear you too. Um, and it makes me want to go up to an A minus for us <laughs> to compromise. But we also argued um, at the beginning when we were doing this is like on the Just Baseball Show, we like to talk ourselves into things. Like if I have a point, I'll tell you. And then we kind of like, oh, yeah, we both kind of agree. Or you'll tell me or Jack will tell both of us. And we always come to kind of an agreement. It's better radio when we just argue and get mad at each other and completely disagree. And so I'll stick with my B plus. You stick with your A. We'll move on to the A's. But first. I almost think that the Jacob deGrom narrative thing is similar to the Derek Jeter is overrated. Yeah. That does. Well, like, first of all, fuck that narrative. But we, continue. We figured out that by defensive runs saved, he wasn't a good defensive shortstop. And then it was like, wait a minute, all those gold gloves, should we take a closer look at that and see truly how good of a defender Derek Jeter was? And now that narrative has been pushed so much that now he's like, a Under. good offensive shortstop and a really bad defender and got lucky for the championships. I hear that all over social media. And it's like, dude, the guy had 3000 hits. There was a reason he played shortstop for the Yankees for 20 years. Like he wasn't just a garbage bag. Like it's, it's these narratives that we find a point and we're like, Oh, we should look at this. And then it just spreads like wildfire. And it's like, it's like a politics. Sometimes it's like, you have an issue. And then the extremes get it, and then it yeah. gets all overblown. No, I, I'm with you. Like it, it's important to provide context to like Derek Jeter with the information that we have now. He was not the jump throw legend that you know we thought, but at the same time, like don't use that to invalidate what was one of the best careers that we saw in baseball. So no, I'm with you on that. Let's get to a team that has really no controversies. Uh, let's see Oakland A's. Um, the A's signed Jesus Aguilar to a one year, three million dollar deal. They signed Jace Peterson, two years, nine and a half million. They signed Elmedis, or how do you say it? Almedis Diaz? How do you say Aledimus it? Diaz. Aledimus Diaz. Two years, 14 and a half million. Big trade. The A's got Asturio Ruiz, Manny Pena, Kyle Muller, Freddie Tarnock, and Roy Bersalinas. And they gave up Sean Murphy and Joel Piamp? Piamps? Piamps. 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 Sometimes we need Jack here uh, to help us through the pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. uh, they also signed Drew Ruchinski, one year, $3 million from like the KBO. They signed Shintaro Fujinami, one year, $3.25 million from the MPB. They signed Trevor May to bolster the bullpen, I guess, at one year, yeah. $7 million. 
but they will be departing from Chad Pinder and Stephen Piscotty. Um, they made a lot of moves. <laughs> you can't fault them. They did make a lot of moves. I remember the offseason where they spent zero dollars. Yes. And they turned around and they added some guys. Now, do I think they did all that well with the Sean Murphy deal? I think Asturias Ruiz is a good prospect, and I think Kyle Muller could be, you know, in addition to their rotation. But I felt like they went for quantity over quality. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, you know, none of these deals are that bad. I thought to myself, I'm giving them a C plus. I'm a little bit more optimistic about the A's. They made a lot of moves and some you could argue are exciting. I'm excited to see Fujinami. I'm excited to see Ruchinski come back. Um, Jesus Aguilar feels like a guy that would you be surprised if he has like 15, 20 runs? No, no. I I love Jesus. These guys and Asturio Ruiz, he could win the rookie of the year in the American League. He's going to get plenty of run. We know that. Opportunity. They, They did okay. The, the Oakland A's, you did they okay. Did, they, they did something. Um, definitely better than than last offseason. I would say I like the the KBO and and and, and the, J, the the Japanese league signings here. Like I like Ruchinski as a guy that could potentially either be flipped or you know in the, in the short term helps your rotation and, and can help you get a prospect return. Same with Fujinami. Like we've talked about his upside. That could be an, an interesting. Pitcher to have for you, still just 28, going to be 29 years old around the time the season starts. It's tough because the Murphy deal, it's like we don't know what was on the table. We've talked about that. And, you know, I think in a nutshell, they did all right, you know, and I'm not going to dock them too much for that. Jace Peterson was a multi-war guy last year, only 2.2 F4 last year. Like that's a guy that you could flip for pieces. Aledemus Diaz, I I was pretty shocked that he got as much money as he got. I guess that was just a deal. Two-year yes. deal. He was a .6 F4 guy last year. He did only play 92 games. He had 12 home <laughs> runs. I, like, I, I don't know who of these guys they're actually going to be able to flip other than you know the two pitchers I think could be flippable. I think Jesus Aguilar could be flippable. Um, other than that, uh, I'm going to go with a C- minus just because <laughs> okay. I thought they forced the Sean Murphy trade a little bit. I almost would have rather have waited even longer. And generally I, I preach against that because you don't want to diminish control. Uh, but man, I feel like they could have had some better opportunities there. Um, and then I didn't, I don't like the the upside pieces here. Like <laughs> generally I think the nationals did better. Like when we talk about the nationals, the guys that they signed that they could flip, I thought those were better flip guys than Jace Peterson, Aguilar and Aledemus Diaz. So I'm going to go C minus. I'm just writing down. Um, it's just so funny that I'm, I'm optimistic about the Oakland A's. Arm. Hey, hey. I thought they did okay. I thought they did just fine. All right, let's move on to a the much more low. exciting team because they have top-end talent, but will they win games in 2023? I think a lot of us are excited to see, finally. All right, the Los Angeles Angels. They signed Hunter Renfro, or excuse me, they traded for Hunter Renfro for Jansen Junk, Elvis Paguero, and Adam Seminaris. Uh, they signed Brandon Drury to a two-year, $17 million deal. They traded for Gio Urshela for Alejandro Hidalgo from the Minnesota Twins. They, they gave Brett Phillips a one-year deal worth about $1.2 million. They're bigger signings. Signing Tyler Anderson, big-time starting pitcher last year for the Dodgers, at three years, $39 million. They also signed uh, relief pitcher 
who threw for the Rockies last year, Carlos Estevez, to a two-year, $13.5 million deal. Their departures, Michael Lorenzen, Tuki Toussaint, and Matt Duffy. I got to be honest with you. For some reason, you know, I was going through all these different transactions. I thought the Angels made more deals than they did. Really? I don't know why. I thought that the Angels it's kind were of a lot of moves. Up. It is kind of a lot of moves, but I thought they made as many moves as the A's or the Mariners. Like they were up there. I mean, they made some moves, but I thought, you know, especially in a year where Otani's going to be a free agent, Artie Moreno said he's not going to sell the team. You know, Mike Trout, he's only going to be this age for this much longer. He's now into his 30s. I thought for some reason they made bigger splashes. I thought they had a fine offseason, but of course, there's always in the back of your head saying, if not now, when, right? This was the offseason to make the enormous splashes, and they made some decent splashes. What are your what was your reaction to their offseason? Yeah, so you know, I wonder like what moves they could have really made. Um, because you look at this team, and I and I thought foolish Bailey summed it up really well. And, and this is the reason why I really like this, this off season for them overall. They just replaced a lot of guys that they just needed to put more guys around trout. and Otani who don't suck, right? Like it's that simple. Just don't surround them by guys who don't suck. I'm going to list you guys that had 80 or more plate appearances. I'm going to lower it to 70, 70 or more plate appearances last year for the angels. Well, first of all, Juan Lagares had 62 plate appearances last year. I, I didn't even know that guy was still playing ball. Um, Magnera Sierra, Matt Dice, Mike Ford, a familiar name for you, Peter. Mm-hmm. Kurt Suzuki, Tyler Wade, a familiar name for you. David Fletcher, of course. Matt Duffy, Joe Adele. But then there's a bunch of other guys that had 50 plate appearances. Mickey Moniak, Jonathan VR, Phil Gosselin, Chad Wallach, Stephen Duggar even for a little bit. Like Monte Harrison. Like they, it was a revolving door of like quadruple A is generous. Like some of these guys are out of, out of baseball. And some of these guys might not even put up a 100 WRC plus in triple A. You replace a lot of those names and, and even like to a higher degree. Now, Andrew Velasquez played 125 games, Peter. This was a team full of Yankee castoffs and the Yankees, like they weren't the deepest team in baseball offensively last year either. Like when you have Velasquez starting 125 games, that's a disaster. So I'm I'm liking that you're replacing a lot of those names with guys that look, they're not gonna be superstars, but you know what you're gonna get from Hunter Renfro. You know what you're gonna get from Brandon Drury. That's a lot better than what you were getting from those other guys, even Gio Urshela. Like that's a guy that is gonna be a two to three war player. So while they didn't make the sexy move, Peter, I think they made the moves they needed to make and they just brought the floor up way higher so that. These guys, I just I picture Mike Trout and Shohei Otani just like dragging the the semi truck behind them, like the bodybuilders you see just trying to drag the team with them. Like the, the the truck just got a lot lighter with some of these other names here, and I think that that helps a ton. What do you think about Brandon Drury? Because I think he's an interesting player, right? He was no always top. kind of a journeyman type. I uh, played kind of a utility. But then when he went over to the Reds, he had a thousand OPS against lefties and he finished the season with an 812 OPS. But then he came over to the Padres and with the Padres, he had a 725 OPS. I'm curious what you think about him. 
because two years 17 sounds like a good deal, but I almost think it could be a great deal or it ends up being kind of a, why'd you yeah. even do it? Because he yeah. go he reverts back to what he was. I personally think he's probably a 750 OPS guy. I think he w- benefited from hitting a great American ballpark, but then he, you know, of course, hitting at Petco Park is one of the hardest. And there's also that adjustment. I know it's only moving, you know, it's not like you're moving across the world, but Cincinnati to San Diego is definitely a move and you're adjusting to a new environment. Gotcha. You're facing new pitchers. Like, I don't blame him. I, I never tend to blame even free agents in their first year. Like, let's see what you do when you get comfortable. You know, high on guys like Matt Olson, guys like that, where yeah. they may have struggled initially. A guy like Marcus Semien, who struggled initially, but then turned it on. Guys like that. So, but I think he's kind of in the middle. I don't think he's the eight twelve OPS, but I also don't think he's a seven twenty five OPS with the Padres. I, I think he's a seven fifty seven sixty guy, and and even if he's a seven twenty five guy, like he's going to be playing a lot of second base. He's going to move around. You know, if Rendon needs a day off, he can play third, uh, and that's going to be a big X factor here too. But I love the signing because, you know, at the very least, he's going to be a 720 OPS guy. Like I, I the floor and the ceiling are kind of close. And I think, again, they need that. I'm looking at 130 games combined between Tyler Wade and Matt Duffy, which gave you a 500, a 580 OPS roughly. Like we're talking about 120, 130 OPS bump here at the very least uh, from from somebody like Drury. And at the end of the day, in this market, that's just it wasn't expensive. And, you know, that was not an expensive deal. Um, The Marlins offered him more. He took less to go to the Angels. So, you know, I think that was a good signing in a nutshell. I like I know you're not the biggest Renfro fan, but I think he's going to he's going to be really solid for them, you know, because he's going to finally provide a little bit of protection, given that he, he can hit you 30 home runs. He's consistently been that 25, 30 home run guy. Um, Yeah, it doesn't bring much else to the table. But again, I think they just needed that. Uh, And I like that you have some options to hedge Jared Walsh if he really, really struggles. You don't want Walsh to face a lefty at all. So now Drury can play first when Walsh, when there's a lefty and he mashes lefties. Like there's way more mixing and matching now in this lineup that I think is going to be really good. Um, So while they didn't make the big, big, big splash, I love Tyler Anderson signing is one of my favorite of, of the offseason. And I think they were like, if we were talking about as we have in the couple last couple episodes, what were your favorite underrated signings of the offseason? I thought that the Angels had like three qualifying moves that could have been best underrated signings. So you add those all together. I'm going to be super bullish on this. All things considered, on top of the addition of Estevez, they also added Brett Phillips for depth of the fourth outfielder spot, which is kind of interesting. He's a great defender. And he can pitch. Yeah, he ended a pitch, good clubhouse guy. Yeah. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go B plus. Mm. I'm gonna go B plus on this one. Almost A minus. Um, but just a little bit of a lack of you know, the lack of upside. If they got another reliever in there, I'd I'd go a little bit higher, but I, I think they ultimately have a pretty good bullpen. So I'm gonna go B plus. I'm curious what you what what you got. I think that's fair. Um, I gave them a B. Uh, just to keep it short and sweet. I thought there was a lot to be desired, but they still did well. And that's where I always feel like I give the bees where you did your job. You had a good off season, but you didn't make the moves to put you over the top. Yeah. You didn't sign the Rodon. You didn't sign the Jacob deGrom. You didn't make the trade for Pablo Lopez. You know, you got some good moves, not great moves. So I'm giving them a B. One thing I'll say too, is I think the move, like what could put them over the top could just be already there. Right. Full season of trout. Um, 
Jared Walsh returning to form, Logan O'Hoppy being the guy that we think he can, and the most important being Anthony Rendon being Anthony freaking Rendon. So maybe they feel like that that is there for them, right? Like the the way that they can get to the promised land is already on their roster. They just needed the complementary pieces. So we'll see if that that philosophy works out. Let's move on to a fun team and let's move on to my two unit future. Seattle Mariners, I thought, had a pretty damn good offseason. They signed Tommy LaStella, one-year prove-it deal, 720 k They signed A.J. Pollock to platoon with Jared Kelnick in left field, most likely for one-year, $7 million because A.J. Pollock destroys left-handers, or at least he has over his past couple of seasons. They made a trade for Teoscar Hernandez to bolster the middle of that lineup. They needed a big right-handed slugger, and they got it for Teoscar, and they traded from an area of strength dealing Eric Swanson, who was a great bullpen arm for them, but they have so many. And so much and they volatility traded there. Like, Exactly. I mean, you never know. Swanson could go back to a four-year A guy. You just never know. And they also included Adam Mako in that deal. They traded for Colton Wong. They needed a second baseman. They got a second baseman. And they let go of Jesse Winker and Abraham Toro. They signed Trevor Gott in their bullpen from the Brewers for one year, $1.2 million. They also did a little bit of a trade, Kyle Lewis, for Cooper Hummel. And they extended Dylan Moore a couple days ago to a three-year deal worth $8.5 million. They did have some key departures, Mitch Hanniger most notably, but they also had guys like Adam Frazier, Kirk Asali, Matt Boyd, Carlos Santana, Ryan Baruki, Luke Weaver. Nothing that really is that concerning outside of Mitch Hanniger. But the two-unit bet, the two-unit bet for the Seattle Mariners. So I, when I first saw the win totals come out, on Caesar Sportsbook, they were around 89, 89 and a half. And I had to lean towards the over because I thought this is a 90 win team, but the line seems pretty solid, right? They won 90 last year. I think that they're better, but you never know. You, of course, you never know. They didn't have that crazy run differential. Remember, we make fun of the fun differential yeah. kind of bunch. Like they won a lot of close games and sometimes the luck can go back to the other side. But after looking at this offseason, after looking at their rotation, looking at this bullpen, and now looking at this new and improved lineup, I put two units on over 87 and a half wins. Because like I said, 89 and a half, 89, that's what it was on Caesars. Lines just came out on DraftKings. They posted it at 87 and a half. Someone is asleep at the wheel. Give me the Mariners over 87 and a half wins. I think they can improve on this 90 win ball club. They are a better team than they were last year, Arm, and it starts with this great offseason. I mean, Jesse Winker wasn't going to happen there. I think that was clear, um, you know, on the field. And then there, apparently there were some issues off the field with just the way he did or did not gel with the Mariners team, right? So, that's one side of it. Mitch Hanniger. I love Mitch Hanniger. I think that was a really good pickup for the Giants, but availability is important, right? And Teoscar is a very similar player to Mitch Hanniger and more available. Um, so, you know, I think that's something that is important here. And I think they're going to get more out of Teoscar than they got from Hanniger last year. So that's an upgrade in a nutshell. Um, AJ Pollock, I love that hedge of Jared Kelnick, as is Cooper Hummel to a degree, because you know the diff- the struggle with Kyle Lewis is I don't I think he's fully a DH at this point. Uh, Cooper Hummel's a great defender at all three spots, um, so that's important too. Um, I, I actually really like the Tommy Lastella signing because I, I think that's a really good bench piece too. I'd rather have him than Frazier, honestly. 
Oh, way rather. I, I I would way rather have him than Frazier, which is crazy because we're talking about like a $7 million difference here or nine and a half million. Is it, isn't that what Frazier got? I already gave my rant on the Adam Frazier yeah. signing. So, uh, I mean, that was, uh, that blows my mind. They didn't need to do anything in the bullpen, but they plug in and get Trevor got, like you said, and that's, you know, that's, that's fine. Another team that doesn't make the major move, but maybe they didn't need to make the major move. And I think they're going to get better in a lot of ways. Naturally, Ty France played through a wrist injury. Julio Rodriguez is only going to get better uh, and, and only played, I think it was 122 games last year. So he's going to, you're hopefully going to get another 40 games out of him or close to that. Nothing sexy enough to, for me to give them an A, but enough of really good moves. And, and I think, hedging of any weaknesses that they had. And I love the Wong move for them. I mean, to swap Winker for Wong, I think was a win-win for both sides. Cause I think the Brewers, they needed that too. And they had an internal option at second and the upside of Winker is enough. I'm going to go B. I'm between a B and a B plus Peter, because there's nothing too exciting here, but maybe they didn't need anything too exciting. I wish they would move off of JP Crawford, but that's asking too much. I'll go B plus. I gave the Mariners an A. I thought they had a phenomenal offseason. And let me try and convince you. I knew you were going to say it. I knew it. I knew it. Let me try and convince you. What were the holes of the Mariners? Like, it's not in the starting rotation. So they didn't need to make the trade for Pablo Lopez. Or they didn't need to make the signing for Rodon or Jacob deGrom. Luis Castillo at the top. Logan Gilbert. George Kirby. Robbie Ray. Marco Gonzalez. They didn't need to sign anyone in the bullpen because their bullpen, I think like six or seven dudes I'd rely on to get the last three outs in a ball game. Yeah. They needed a thumper in the outfield. Who did they get? Teoscar Hernandez, one of the most underrated hitters in baseball. This guy can hit 300 with 30 plus bombs. Like he is an incredible hitter, not a great defensive player, but still like fine. He's not some hole out there. They needed a second baseman. And who do you get? Colton Wong, one of the slick fielding second baseman in baseball, who's also got some pop in the bat. That's all they needed to do. Yeah. They even added a Trevor God, who I liked for the Brewers. They did everything that they needed to do. It's kind of similar to the Twins, who I gave an A, and I thought that the Twins had a fantastic offseason because they plugged basically all the holes they could. The Mariners just had less holes, but they plugged every single hole that they needed. Like, if you look, what were the Mariners' weaknesses going into the offseason? We listed them. Which didn't they accomplish? I'm curious. That's why it's like, this was the goal for the offseason. We needed these moves in these areas, and they did every single one of them. And all guys that I like. I'm giving them an A arm. I'm giving them an A. Okay. I I hear it. I hear it. It's just like, man, I wish they could, they could have added like a little bit more of that, that proven, I guess Teoscar is that guy, right? Like Teoscar is that proven bat for you. Um, he rakes, he rakes it, you know, and I think he's going to be an upgrade over, over Hanniger. And they were never going to move off of Crawford after they extended him. And they're not going to give up on Kelnick and they hedged that. So I, I I definitely get it. I definitely get it. And like you said, they didn't really need to do anything with the with the bullpen or the rotation. Um, I, I'm going to stick with the B plus, but I can see why you give them an A because at the end of the day, they didn't need to do that much. And they made the moves that they, need to make, they needed to make. Um, and, and I think that says a lot. And guess what? If Kelnick stinks, we talked about this before we recorded, Topoto will make a move. 
He'll do something. He ain't just going to sit there with his, with his, uh, you know, with his hands under his butt and just say, ah, whatever. It is what it is. Like they're, they're going to make a move. Yeah. I'm going to talk about my two unit play on not gambling advice. When I do my over under win totals, we're going to talk about it when we do a betting preview on the just baseball show much later. I just wanted to let the listeners know of the just baseball show. If they are interested, I have already unloaded. It's my first MLB futures bet of the offseason so far is the Mariners over 87 and a half. I'll be breaking it down. So if you want to wait, go right ahead. All right. Last team. Uh, again, another team that if they had a hold, they filled it. And that's the 2022 World Series champion Houston Astros. They signed Michael Brantley. Of course, they brought him back one year, 12 million. We both love Michael Brantley. They signed the 2020 MVP. Jose Abreu to a three-year, $58 million deal. They signed Rafael Montero. They brought him back. Three years, $34.5 million. Kind of a lot of money. A lot of money. And they did have some departures. Will Smith in their bullpen, who they only had for a cup of coffee. Justin Verlander, um, Yuli Gurriel, Christian Vasquez, Trey Mancini, Nico Goodrum, Almedis Diaz. Like They did have a decent amount of departures when you look at it. But the moves they made, I do really like, especially Brantley, especially Abreu, because they won the World Series without Brantley. So it's almost like you're bringing in a new guy who we think is one of the better bat-to-ball guys still in Major League Baseball. Jose Abreu is just going to give you his 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. He might drive in 120 with all <laughs> with these Astros team. guys on base. And yeah, Rafael Montero, $34.5 million. But if there's one team that can identify these relievers and flip a switch and make them great, one of those teams has to be the Astros. So I'm not going to sit here and say that it was a bad signing because if there's anyone we're going to trust, isn't it them? I thought they had a very solid offseason. So this is what it boils down to for me, right? Like, you know, I, I don't think they were ever really expected to retain Verlander because, you know, they, they have a rotation that is really good without him. But it would have been nice to keep Verlander. But what do they do with that Verlander money? They preserve the bullpen. And, you know, we always talk about not investing in relievers. But if you look at at what Montero was statistically last year, and, you know, like some of the guys that, that they've paid to, to stay, like to keep, were some of the best reliever, relievers we saw in baseball last year and just dominated through the postseason. So, obviously, they – know something and this is a team that just does a really good job with developing relievers if they felt like they couldn't develop another guy like you know Montero I'll I'll defer to them on that one you know and and like you said they they know what they're doing there but taking the Verlander money to sign Abreu basically retain Brantley and keep the bullpen intact is, is that something that we you know reward to the point of a of a B plus A, like I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but at the same time, these are the defending champions who didn't really need to do much. But you are subtracting the Cy Young winner, right? So I, I don't, I don't think the rotation is a problem because it's still going to be one of the best in baseball. Uh, but they did lose the Cy Young winner, so it's like, how do you, how do you grade that? Um, that's where I'm stuck. But to take that money and go make your lineup probably the best in baseball is huge retain what is probably the, the best bullpen or close to it in baseball is huge. And the, the rotation's still really good. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, with a B because I look, I, I don't, I don't love paying the relievers that much, even though I'm not going to criticize them for, it. I'm not going to give them credit for it. Um, 
The rotation is still really good, but they didn't really do anything there, right? They just lost the Cy Young winner. And then they did a good job of reallocating those resources to, you know, preserve Michael Brantley, who they didn't even have last year, like you're saying, and then get Jose Abreu, who is fits like a glove for this team. Like it's a perfect fit. Um, so you know, C is status quo. They're well above that, but to me, it's a B. You know, I, I don't know if I can give them much more credit beyond that. Um, uh, but still a really solid offseason. We end the episode with the same grade for the Houston Astros. <laughs> um, I also gave them a B. Um, it was very similar to the Angels in a way for me, where I like some of the moves, but some of the it, it, it's almost like it's it's similar to the Angels, but it's not because the Angels made more moves and they filled more holes. But I like the Astros moves better, but they both left to be desired. So I kind of came to the same grade yeah. of a B where they did enough. Of course, in the Astros, like if we're talking about the Mariners, if they had holes like the Astros didn't have any holes, like the hole was first base. They filled it with Jose Abreu. Their yeah. hole was maybe, I guess, a bat to ball guy, even though they it's not a hole, but Michael Brantley helps. Michael he makes Brantley. their team better. Like Montero, they obviously really liked him, but they lost Verlander, but they have Hunter Brown coming up, who's a mini version of him, basically. Just, I mean, not mini, because to compare Hunter Brown to Verlander is, is putting way too much pressure on a young pitcher. But we saw the potential. Obviously, yeah, Javier took that huge leap. Like, they're probably going to win the whole series again. Why not pay him? You just won the World Series. Like you're, you, you've got money. Why not pay Justin Verlander? Um, and instead, they, they must over, think that they didn't need him. They, they must paid they didn't way, need him. Yeah, and that's where I think that they're taking the pitching for granted a little bit. But the defending champions have a B off season. They're the favorites to win it again, right? Like that's it's that simple. So that's all they needed to do. So it's not bashing them by any means, but like just pay the Hall of Fame pitcher who just won the Cy Young. Like I, I don't understand why they didn't want to pay him maybe i don't know if he wanted to leave i i doubt it i think he was happy there i don't know what what the deal was behind closed doors but to me like you're not going to replace justin verlander you're going to lose something there and sure you added jose abreu but to me they took that money and, and gave abreu the extra year and extra money that nobody was willing to, to give and then paid relievers money that nobody was willing to pay so you, you take the money that you saved from you know that would have been extremely expensive to retain a hall of fame reigning cy young winner and kind of overpaid a little bit in other areas. I always say it's not my money, but it it does matter when it's the money that you could have used to retain the Cy Young winner. So I'm not worried about them in any way, shape, or form. The rotation's still going to be good, really, really good. Um, but that's what keeps them from being like the B plus A minus for me. And I think we're on the same page there. We're on the exact same page. It's funny. I'm doing my top 100 players, of course, and there are so many Astros on the list arm. Like that's all you need to know, it, man. Dude. They're so good. I mean, this this is the prohibitive favorites to get out of the American League. This is the best team in baseball, and they made a they moved a couple of pieces around. They got Jose Abreu, who I think is going to be who's going to fit like a glove on that team. Um, I believe in the Maldonado, in the Maldonado, in, in Martin Maldonado. Maldonado, because. He has this clear relationship with these pitchers that I think yeah. it's so tough to quantify. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if you went up to Javier or Framber or McCullers or any of these guys and said, uh, would you guys prefer a much more offensive minded well, catcher? Yeah, yeah and, Wilson and with, Contreras. Wilson Contreras. Remember, he was on the docket and he was a guy who they were interested in trading for. Like, I bet they'd all say no. They're like, we don't care. We just yeah. want Maldi behind the plate. And so 
this is as good of a team as there is in Major League Baseball. And maybe we're being a little bit biased, giving them a B, because if we look at the offseason in a vacuum, and I think you you've spelled it out perfectly, it might be like a C plus. Yeah. It might be a B minus. But I think it's like, what do they need the to team, do? What are they going to do? Like, what are they going to sign Carlos Rodon? Are they going to sign Jacob DeGrom? Like they have six pitchers. Yeah. They have guys in their farm system. They have an electric bullpen. They didn't need to do that much, but they did enough to still remain the prohibitive favorites to win the World Series. So I think a B is very fair. Um, that's it. That's the end of this episode of the Just Baseball Show. That Those are the grades for the American League West. Of course, we're back to five days a week. We're starting to get that little inkling that the season is coming up. We're less than a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting to spring training. So we're going to start doing five days a week. Of course, we're going to grade the rest of the off seasons, world baseball, classic content, college baseball content, fantasy baseball content. It will all be live on the just baseball show as well on JustBaseball.com. Make sure to stay in tune with all the prospects on the call up with Aram. And of course, Jack's hopping on from time to time. Super Bowl picks are live on not gambling advice. Um, that's with Colby and I. We have, what else do we have? We have merch. Get your Just Baseball merch. I'm wearing my Not Gambling Advice tee. Arms oh. rocking the hat. We have athletic tees. We have sweatshirts. We've got, uh, check out for our basketball fans, Just Basketball Show. Really excited about that. Uh, I think these guys are crushing it over there. So definitely when you get a chance, go check out Brandon and Chris. They're doing a great job on that. Um, on Show and Go with Taylor Davis, we got D, D Strange Gordon, D.D. Gordon coming on the show. That should be pretty fun. So I'm looking forward to hearing Jack and Taylor Davis talking to D. Gordon, you know, really, really batting title winner, all star. And by all by all accounts, a really cool dude. So content's been awesome. Also, the just fantasy show, Kobe and Clay have been crushing that, getting you ready for fantasy baseball season. Um, and I just put out the Reds top prospect list that is out on the call up and on just baseball.com right now, loaded system, borderline top five system, a lot of fun to write up and you can get your Ellie De La Cruz dose over there as well. Uh, that's all I got. And all this growth is thanks to you guys, the listeners of the just baseball show. We appreciate you guys following along with us. We wouldn't be here without you guys. There's a lot of people who have been in our, you know, DMs who have been following along since the beginning, since episode one. And it's just crazy to see how far we've grown. And I can't thank the listeners of the Just Baseball Show enough. If you have been enjoying the content, we would really appreciate it. Again, you want to get some merch, but if you don't want to spend a dime, we totally understand. If you could rate this show five stars on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, it helps and supports the show the most. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube too. Click the like, leave a comment. What grades would you give these this division in terms of the off season? And with that, thank you everybody. Peace.